Hey guys, welcome to episode three of Foops and Endzones. I'm your host, Nick Velasquez, and I am going to start off by talking about the Brittany Griner story. Now that I now I know that this is a pretty old story, but um, I feel like I need to cover this nonetheless here. So let me start by going into some of the um some of the background on this story first and then um I can and then I'll give my opinion on this. <clears throat> so for those of you who are not aware of this story, Brittany Griner is a WNBA star for the Phoenix Mercury who was arrested on February 17th in Moscow for bringing cannabis oil on a flight into the city. She had been prepared for a harsh sentence, according to sources that are close to her. And she and her party have also been aware that Russia was not going to move forward with a trade negotiation that could bring her home until her trial there was completed. Now, a guilty verdict was considered a foregone conclusion, and Brittany Griner pled guilty on July 7th earlier this year, although the case continued under Russian law. So a Russian court sentenced her to nine years in prison on August 4th, which will now allow negotiations for a prisoner swap to accelerate here. So the, excuse me. So the U.S. has offered to swap Griner and Paul, if I'm pronouncing this right, Paul uh, Whelan or Whelan for Russian's arms dealer, uh, Victor Bout. And my apologies if I'm not pronouncing those names correctly. But um, the negotiations are still ongoing between the two sides. So I do hope they find a way to bring her home from this prison overseas. Because regardless of what country she went to, getting nine years in prison for possessing cannabis oil is just ludicrous. And... I understand that the criminal sentences and the penal codes and legislation are very different between Russia and the United States, but this is just absolutely insane. And it looks like Russia is trying to use her as a political chess piece here, unfortunately. So I hope that our government can get something done soon, especially before December 20th, which is the day that Russian officials can extend her detainment. So the clock is ticking here. And fingers crossed that they can get Brittany home to the U.S. so that she could be with her family and friends again. Just hoping for the best here and that and that she can come home and not only see her family and friends again, but also continue playing in the WNBA and have a successful career here. All right, so now I'm going to give my opinion on the Emma Udoka story here. So... For those who don't know or haven't heard too much about the story, um, Emmy Udoka, the head coach of the Boston Celtics, was recently suspended by the team for the entire 2022-23 season for sleeping with a female staffer working for the team. He had an improper, intimate, and consensual relationship with that staffer that violated the team's code of conduct. So now Celtics top assistant coach Joe Mazzula is likely going to become the team's interim coach for the season. And it's a pretty sad chapter in Udoka's basketball story, which oversaw a remarkable turnaround in Boston in his first coaching stint. 
which pretty much had the Celtics going had the Celtics going from a sub 500 team in late January to closing the season with a 28 and 7 record over their final 35 games here. So that's quite a bounce back for them there and all the credit not only goes to the roster but to Emmy Doka for keeping them together and making that a uh, big push uh, toward the end of the season there. They then went on toward an amazing run in the Eastern Conference playoffs and advanced to the NBA Finals for the first time in 12 years before eventually falling in six games to my Golden State Warriors. He also, according to ESPN Stats and Information Research, became the first rookie head coach to win multiple Game 7s in his first postseason, which is remarkable. So a press conference was held on Friday, September 23rd, where Celtics owner Wynn Grossbeck said that he wouldn't be able to offer any additional facts or circumstances around what occurred and why the suspension was in place. Additionally, he stated, quote, privacy reasons for the people involved is a concern. I really have to leave you with the wording of our statement, which was admittedly, admittedly fairly crisp. Yudoka then had this to say regarding his suspension. I want to apologize to our players, fans, the entire Celtics organization, and my family for letting them down. I am sorry for putting the team in this difficult situation, and I accept the team's decision. Out of respect for everyone involved, I will have no further comment. Now here's my take on this. I believe the situation between Emi Udoka and the Celtics is not repairable. It's not tenable. He's put the Celtics in an impossible situation here. They levied the suspension for one year, which they're leaving open-ended, by the way, but they can't adequately explain why he's being suspended. So this is going to be a cloud that hangs over the team. And while they're... Now, while they're entrusting an, ex an inexperienced 34-year-old assistant coach to lead them into contention this season, it's it's going to be tough for them to to bounce back once he comes back here because it's going to you can't simply hit the pause button on a championship favorite and expect to pick up right where you left off. Uh, Joe Mazzulla, who's now, like I said, tapped to lead the Celtics in the interim for um, for the season, for the upcoming season here, is only a mere three years into his coaching career. And he may well make good on the Celtics' championship promise, despite the added onus of, of a one-of-a-kind scandal. But when Amy Udoka comes back, what happens then? Do they... Do they dismiss him after he serves his punishment? What if what if the what if Joe Mazzulla is overwhelmed here? What if he's overwhelmed and they have to bring in another assistant coach to lead the team? So these are the least of the franchise's concerns. And yet they threaten the entire organization's common goal. Now, Grossbeck also stated the players are very concerned about this, and it's not a welcome development. And you saw that on the faces of some of the Celtics players uh, on some of the Celtics players in media day, like Jalen Brown and, and Jason Tatum. And it's really kind of just spread like 
it's the negativity there from this scandal is just spread like wildfire to the players. So to think that the guys on the team or the coaches or anyone else in the organization is going to just simply walk back on the court and think everything is fine. It's just pie in the sky. These emotions are going to permeate throughout the entire organization. There's no solution that's going to satisfy everybody involved. And Yudoka may take umbrage with the nature of his sanctions, regardless of how accepting the owner says he's been. Players and coaches and front office personnel may agree with him. They may lose respect for him, or they may fall somewhere in between. It all pales in comparison to what message this sends to the franchise's female employees. And speaking of the Celtics' female employees... Shame on all the people on social media who put their names out there thinking that they had something to do with it. We don't even know who the specific women is or which women was involved. So why put every Celtics female employee's name in the public eye? We don't even know all the people who were involved here. It's just insensitive, it's irresponsible, and it's potentially damaging to their careers. Many of these women have had successful careers and they don't need their integrity questioned, especially by something that they had no involvement in, or most of them had no involvement in. Now, it's naive to think that more details are not going to leak with this story here. Even Yudoka's absence is shrouded in a lot of mystery. They won't divulge the terms of his suspension. And they've made no decisions about the criteria that he has to meet in order to return to the team. So in one breath, Grossbeck said that suspension runs through June 30th, 2023. In another breath, he said, we're not going to talk about the long term because nothing has been decided. And we'll make a decision at a later time about Emmy's future with us. All of this gives the appearance that the Celtics were blindsided by the death of these revelations in the investigation or the swiftness of the leaks or perhaps both. And it sure feels like that they're biding their time as they negotiate his exit because the media is going to keep hounding them on this issue. And this dark cloud hanging over the Celtics is just not going to be lifted anytime soon. All right. So now I am going to talk about the Brett Favre scandal here. And as usual, I'm going to give some info on this first, and then I will go right into my opinion on this because I have a lot to voice on this subject. <clears throat> so Brett Favre was alleged, allegedly involved in a scheme that saw $5 million in Mississippi welfare money diverted from a project that was intended to build a volleyball stadium at the University of Southern Mississippi, which is the college that Brett Favre's daughter plays at. Favre got reportedly $1.1 million in welfare funds, and he denied any involvement despite later paying back the money. So now he's facing a lawsuit over unpaid interest on the surrendered funds. And from what we 
from what we learned in 2017, Favre texted a question to the head of the nonprofit organization, uh, Nancy New, who was who was doling out the funds meant to go to the welfare recipients in the nation's poorest state here. He said, quote, if you were to pay me, is there any way the media could not find out where it came from and how much? Nancy then texted him back saying, no, we have never had that information publicized. But I understand you are being you feel uneasy about that, though. And by August of 2017, Nancy knew then confirmed that then governor of Mississippi, Phil Bryant, was supportive. And a few months later, in December of that year, Favre got the money from Nancy New and texted her saying, Nancy, Santa came today and dropped some money off and added two smiley faces and then texted, thank you, my goodness, thank you. We, are, we need to set up that promo soon. You're way too kind. So these text messages were first reported by Mississippi Today and came to light on Monday, September 12th through court filings in a civil case spurred by the largest the largest public spending scandal in the state's history the state auditor uncovered roughly 77 million in misspent welfare funds in february of 2020 and the state filed a civil lawsuit against 38 defendants so according to text messages and court filings the idea was the idea to divert funds to the volleyball facility appeared to have been discussed at a July 2017 meeting that included Brett Favre, John Davis, the head of Mississippi's Welfare Agency, which is also known as the Department of Human Services, and Nancy New, whose charity was getting millions in grants from the state agency. So New, Davis, and Favre are defendants in the state's civil suit. So this is a scandal that has stretched considerably beyond Brett Favre. As you could tell, a motley assortment of political employee, uh, political appointees, former football stars, one-time professional wrestlers, business figures, and various friends of Mississippi's former Republican governor, Phil Bryant, all stand accused of pocketing or misusing money that have been earmarked for needy families here. Now, here's my opinion on this whole scandal here. So, Brent Favre has made roughly $140 million in his playing career. That doesn't even include sponsorship or endorsement money. He could have easily paid for this volleyball stadium either with his own money or someone, one of his sponsors that he could have called up and had them cover it. He could have hosted some type of golf tournament or charity event and gotten one of his sponsors to fund it. He could have easily made a phone call to Nike or Wrangler's Jeans or someone else that he has a business relationship with. I never liked Brett Favre. And that's going all the way back to the 2018 story where he sent a picture of his genitals to then Jets cheerleader Jen Sturger, who's now a broadcaster. So this whole welfare scandal story is just awful. And you have to be one of the lowest, sorriest sons of bitches on the whole fucking planet to steal welfare money from the poorest state in your damn country. Welfare recipients in Mississippi qualify as some of the poorest, most 
destitute people in the United States. Mississippi is the poorest state in the country by far, and people need help down there. There's almost 200,000 children living below the poverty line there. Jackson and Mississippi residents don't even have clean drinking water. And to divert these funds so you can look like a hero, like you donated your own money or sponsorship money to Southern Miss for a volleyball stadium for your daughter, like, really? And this is on top of the fact that he got money from the state for speeches that he didn't even give. So both Phil Bryant and Brett Favre should have the book thrown at them, and everyone else in this scandal should have the book thrown at them. They should be behind bars for this. Even if they don't end up getting charged and prosecuted, they don't deserve to be walking on public streets with the rest of us. They don't deserve to be sitting in their damn jacuzzis, drinking wine, and having lavish parties. They should be punished much higher than, let's say, a poor person who decides to steal money because they can't afford pampers or milk for their baby. It's still wrong and illegal nonetheless, and that person should be behind bars for it. But I can understand why they would take that risk. And here's my dive into the politics behind this, because I want to touch on this a little bit here. I've seen people get elected with, run campaigns with, and seeing the news media focus on a narrative of which they call waste, abuse, and poor people getting too much. Like, ah, we'll give you food stamps, but are you going to spend it on steak and lobster? Or, oh, you can have welfare money if you're working and poor, but you need to verify through six levels of bureaucracy that you're actually out there working and getting a job. Like, this is a waste of where our tax dollars go. That it's poor people that are getting over on everybody. And if you really think about it, it's just impossible when you know how the world actually works. That nobody bats an eye on the idea or sometimes gives props to the idea that the wealthiest people find a way to work around taxes, to cheat on taxes, to find loopholes in taxes. Guys, this is all money that could go to better use. There's people that give props to the wealthy for doing that and don't even bother to worry about people who take food stamps to the grocery store, but then can't buy certain foods because they don't qualify for it. There's people at, there's employees at Walmart and McDonald's that make less than poverty level. These are people that work full time and still qualify for government assistance because their full time salary isn't high enough. It's insane. And the vitriol we have as a country and the lack of care we have for poor people, putting spikes on peop on benches so people can't sleep on them, it just makes me so fucking mad that the former governor of the poorest state in the country, Phil Bryan, can say, eh, I know this $5 million can actually help some really down and out people in my state, but I'd rather hang out and get to help Brett Favre for a little bit. And Brett Favre, who's from Mississippi, probably knew poor people growing up and said, yeah, let's do it. Let's just make sure nobody finds out. Like, he knew what he was doing was wrong. And he still did it anyway. And if he ever does apologize, I don't think he's... I don't think he'd be sorry that he did it. I think he'd be sorry that he got caught doing it. It's absolutely maddening. To know that there's deluded people in our country who refuse to look at the real villains here. 
and to think that people who are hanging on by a thread are there because they want to be there. Nobody at 10 years old said, well, I'm going to go work as little as possible, mooch off the government for a while, maybe panhandle a little bit, and never have any luxuries whatsoever. Because that's much easier than having a full-time job. And sometimes people are there because of bad choices, or they're there because they have a physical or mental disability that prevents them from working full-time. It's just, this whole story is just disgusting, and it makes me sick and sad and angry to hear about it. I can't even put it into more words anymore. So, let me know your thoughts on this, guys. Your feedback is appreciated on this when given. And I don't look at Brett Favre the same way after this, and I never will. It's just, it's just so gross. So, let me know your thoughts and the reactions in the comment section below here. And be on the lookout for episode four, which will be posted in roughly uh, one to two weeks. So, cheers. Have a good one.